Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And everything is in transition at the moment. There's lots of change. We're just dropping uh, two different kids off to college. We've got another kid going to boarding school. We've moved locations. It's the perfect time. Actually, it's the critical time to re-examine what our priorities are. How do we do that? How do I navigate and manage my time and my purpose? So this session is giving and walking you through how do we do that, how we do that with God and a really practical exercise that we call a master plan or big rocks and then turning that into an activity that you can determine how you prioritize the things in your life. If you don't know and protect your priorities, you will live someone else's. So trust this is of value to you. Make sure you download the notes. If you can't get a hold of those, uh, email contact at heaveninbusiness.com and we can get those to you. Have a wonderful week. This is Jeremiah 12 and Jeremiah is complaining about how hard it is. Like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one, God. I'm the only follower of Jesus in the whole of the Bay Area in my role. And everybody around me is wicked and evil and they seem to be prospering and, and launching their businesses and stuff. And like, God, I'm launching mine and it's, no one's listening to me and it's hard and it's difficult. And he's coming to God and he's complaining, of course. It's like, why? How come they're prospering? Why are the evil people so happy? Well, they look happy on the outside. And then he's thinking God's going to be like the God of all comfort and joy and peace. And, and God answers like this. Hey, dude, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? Two different versions here. Has anyone run against a horse before? And if... In the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you. How will you do on the floodplain of the Jordan? Which means it's, it's rocky, bumping, there's trees you've got to go around. So at the moment, you find it hard, difficult, and the pace of life. And he's like, and God's saying, you're complaining now? I've got something far greater. It's called impossible. Who knows? That's not God telling him off, because God's never would give you something that he doesn't give you the power to do, to accomplish, to achieve. This right here is an invitation. It's saying, hey, I'm, not, I'm struggling to do what I'm doing now. How do I, and God's saying, dude, there is so much more. How do you do that? Who wants to know the secret? So I get this prophetic word, and I, who knows, every single year, life gets, seems to get busier, harder, challenging, but you're still alive. You just lose your hair and grow hair out of your ears and not looking at anybody in particular and need glasses and it's just crazy and your back grows carpet and it just crazy stuff happens, right? And then there's these scriptures that says, but if you wait on God, he renews your strength and you don't get weary. You just go faster. So what's that? Is it possible that we're missing a secret solution here? I like, I like you. <laughs> what if we did that more? And what does it look like? 
to get realigned and actually receive the juice that comes from heaven to accomplish what he's called us to do. So we don't just get pumped full of energy, but it's something that is applicable and applies to every aspect of life. Well, one of those key things is knowing what I'm here for, what I'm aiming at, because a knife cuts because of focus. Is that correct? But we've been doing a lot of spooning. Did I just say that? That means lying around and cuddling, singing Kumbaya, coming to our meetings, which is wonderful, holding hands. You're welcome. And what we've seen God do is bring back focus, saying, what are you here for and what are you going to do with what I've given you? And the only way is you're going to stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Just you be you. And when you be you, it releases you to be you. It's profound. (laughs) When I let go of trying to please somebody else and just say, okay, God, I'm just not going to please everybody. I'm getting exhausted. What if I just say, what have you given me to do and how am I going to do it? So question for you. What happens to a follower of Christ who doesn't know and protect their priorities? Know of any? They burn out. They get divorced. So these people that commit to live together in union with their spouse and with God, and then something falls to pieces. And we say, oh, grace, it's going to be okay. No, no, no. That's not God's standard. He hates divorce. It doesn't mean... That if you're divorced, you're going to wicked and going to die forever and burn in hell. It means, hey, he came to show something different. Is it possible that we've been satisfied with a lower standard? Because we can't handle it running with men on easy ground. He's saying, would you come and run against men on horseback? How do I do that? If I don't know and protect my priorities, things go bad. Who knows who's heard the stories of John G. Lake? Phenomenal man of God. What happens? He goes to South Africa. Miracles, signs and wonders. People getting saved all over the place. And what happens? His wife starves to death. Ouch. All of his kids from his first marriage turn away from God. To the point that one of them was dying on his deathbed and said, I wish my dad was here now. What's the point? Priorities. What am I going to do with what God's given me? And am I protecting that? And do the people around me know what is most important? So, is this getting too heavy? So what about Jesus? Did he know his priorities? Did he protect them? How? So he just prayed, ignored everybody by, I'm just going to a prayer meeting. Well, he actually did. Remember, there's revival. Revival goes on. He goes, revival's busting out. People getting healed. They're lined up at the door, and then it's night, and they don't have electricity, so ends up going to sleep and gets up in the morning, and they're coming looking for Jesus, right? Everyone's looking for Jesus. Now, if that was you or me, you go into Fremont and local ice cream shop, cream, right? It's new. We checked it out, but there were too many people. 
and, and just revival busts out and people are getting saved, healed, like miracles are happening. It's just crazy. What would you do? You'd be like, awesome. Hey, Greg, send us a team of like 100 people. Extend meetings. Set up a camp. Set up a this. Turn into a week-long revival meetings. What does Jesus do? Gets up early, goes out. They finally find him and say, hey, Jesus, come back here. We're having these revival meetings and you're the keynote speaker. Come and do your thing. And Jesus says, for this purpose, he knew his purpose. I've been sent to all. Let's go to another place. Are you catching that? Most of us, if something crazy happens in a meeting, we'd just extend the meeting. But Jesus didn't. He went to a new town. Jesus, the man with the miracles, right? He's got everything. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, came to represent the Father. Even age 12, he knew what his purpose was. What was his purpose? I'm about my father's business. So anyone here in business? Jesus said it first. What's his father's business? Well, what was Jesus doing? He was talking with the religious leaders of his day, and it said they were amazed at his questions and his understanding about God the Father. So, what's Jesus' business? Represent the Father. So, what's your business? Represent the Father, which is huge. It's like a master plan, but. Within that, who's your customer? Who's the people God's given you to reach? Who are the people that you have favor with? What's he talents, gifts, skills, and abilities? What do you do where you feel his pleasure? That's the unique piece within representing the Father. But everything I do within that is representing him as a husband, as a father, as a dad, as a friend, as a son, as a neighbor, as an employee, represent the Father. As a boss, represent the Father. Everything I do, represent the Father. Can you just help me? There we go. Jesus on priorities. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. Have you noticed people that are like so uber-focused, you, you walk down and they, they just don't, they look straight through you. Jesus wasn't like that. He was focused and relational. But he could walk through a crowd of people thronging him and one person gets healed. Do you realize that that means he said no to every single other one? What about this question? Did Jesus fulfill his potential? I'll reword it. What was Jesus' potential? To save the world on his own without the cross. <laughs> How many people were following him? Jesus could have been a one-man revival, worldwide revival, potential to do that. At what point did he exit the planet when he had the greatest momentum? Isn't that crazy? So did he fulfill his potential? Could he have done much more on the earth before leaving? 
So his potential was far greater than what he actually did. Are you catching this? So his potential was to be a walking revival, like carry on for another. You just got started. Three years? What you could do, I mean, the books that we could get him to write. He didn't record anything. Are you catching this? His potential was so much more. So he did not fulfill his potential, but he did fulfill his purpose. We get here and it's like, it's all about my potential. Well, my potential is so broad in what we could do, plugged into heaven. But what's the purpose for which he created you? What are you here on the earth to do? What are you sucking oxygen for? Mark 1.38 But he said to them, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Luke 4.43 But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. What about this one? John 12. He's wrestling. He doesn't want to go to the cross. Do you like that? Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. God, I want to avoid it. I don't want to do this, please. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Are you catching this? If you don't know and you protect your priorities, you will live someone else's. Or are you already... Freedom is I tell me what to do and I do it. I stole that off Danny Silk. We think we're free, but actually we're just doing everything else somebody else tells us. We've got this external form of governance. Freedom is I, I tell me what to do. I choose to do this. Well, I'm not going to clean up. Well, it's not about not doing stuff. It's about what will you do. I choose to do this. I tell me what to do. I'm going to choose what my eyes look at. I'm going to choose what happens in my marriage. I'm going to choose what happens in these places. And I'm going to follow through because the greatest measure of freedom is I govern me. Because on my best day, I, I can do that just and not having to worry about you. So what are your priorities? Why did you get out of bed this morning? Because you had to show up on Sunday morning because if you don't, the person sitting beside you will think you're backslidden and we would have been praying for you instead of somebody else who needed prayer. In the school of ministry, we say, why did you come to school today? Well, because I had to swipe in. Really? That was your motivation? You had to swipe in? Because I get paid to come. No, you don't. What really motivates you? Why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, please don't ask. That's way too. Yes, because I call you to freedom, which is you choose what you're going to do with your time. Because you have the measure of freedom for that which you'll be responsible for. So just ask yourself, if you don't have freedom, have you been responsible with what you've already had? So you take it to the other end. So someone with no choice, 
very little response. They're usually locked up 24 hours a day, and we call it in prison because they haven't been responsible with freedom, so they lose freedom. So if you want more freedom, be responsible with the freedom that you have, which means what am I going to do with me? What am I going to do with my time? What are your key roles in life? Husband, father, entrepreneur, teacher, what is that going to look like for you? If I said, if we looked at your last week, what would that tell me your priorities are? My priorities are to do everything somebody else tells me to do. Well, I'm not free because I have to work 60 hours a week. Do you? Do you have to work 60 hours a week? Well, it's not my fault that my wife and my children have no time with me because I'm this anointed minister of God and I've got to travel. No, you don't. When we left New Zealand, my background's business consultancy. I came to the States and it was illegal for me to work for three years because I had a student visa. It was a gift of God because it rewired this thing in me. So I can't work. And it broke some things, some dependencies, some identity things. And we get there and finally I've got the ability to work and, and I'm on a pastor's salary which pays for maybe at best 60% of what I need to live. But as a part of that, I get to travel and speak. And so uh, the people around me say, well, God's given you this gift to travel and speak as much as you want and that's feeding your family, so just travel more. And I'm thinking... My priority is family. So if I have to travel and be away from my family in order to feed my family, something's wrong. What will work for my family? And so we chose to limit the amount of travel that would be okay with our family and keeping our family dynamics and then trust God to do the increase. Is it easy? No. But what's my trust in? And what's my priority? Because everything around me will push on that. I love it how Jesus said no. Remember the man, you know, Peter and John come to the temple to pray. They met a crippled guy. And how long had that crippled guy been at the temple? 40 years? Grew up like that. So that means Jesus walked past him every single time he went into the temple and never healed him. The generation before me would stay in meetings until two, three o'clock in the morning praying for every single person. Noble. But then is it any wonder they burn out, die young because they're not managing priorities? Am I saying it's wrong? No, I'm, I'm saying you are responsible for you. God's given you a temple which is a physical body. And he's given you plans and purposes in the earth. And you're the one that's responsible for you, nobody else. Unless you're in prison. And then someone else provides a bed, a blanket, and a meal. There's different levels of priorities. There's the big picture ones. There's, as in my lifetime. I'm going to tell you mine in a moment. But then there's my current roles and then if you work in an organization, there's organizational roles. As in, what are you aiming at as an organization? What are your priorities as an organization? Well, I don't know. Well, a knife cuts because of focus. So the more focused you can be, the better and more likely are you going to hit what you're aiming at. Is this, is this too simple? 
You're really quiet. <laughs> Here's a, I'm on this journey of learning what priorities and purpose are. So who knows what their purpose is in life? Like, I'm here to do this, this, and this. Does anyone know that? I'm, I'm here to be a friend of God. Yep, that's correct. But within friend of God, there's lots of different things. I could be a teacher friend of God. I could be, uh, Smith Swigglesworth was a plumber by trade, friend of God by occupation. So that's not going to change. But within that, what's God's given you to do? Who's the people he's called you to influence, reach, start, change? So for me, friend of God. So here's my like, life priorities. I, I want to be a friend of God because I know I can change the world. I could change the, I could change the, the aspect of the world that I influence. And then God says, but I never knew you. That is a scary, well, I didn't I raise the dead, cast out demons, heal, cleanse lepers, heal sick people. Look at these testimonies. I started this company, it uh, launched on the stock exchange, it's now worth a billion dollars and I gave away 50% of it. Aren't I awesome? And Jesus, but I never knew you. Well, I thought I was doing this for you. No, 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 you're probably just doing this for yourself. I never knew you. A priority is being a, a husband or the Bible's version of that is a one-woman man, which means it's not just about physically present with my wife. It's like emotionally, thought life, heart life. How am I doing keeping it aligned as a one-woman man? Uh, I have a dream of one million business people that demonstrate a partnership with God in their workplace. That's what I'm aiming at. So these are my big picture aims, and there's some strategies underneath this, but that's what I'm aiming at. 1,000 relationally strong cultural reformers, which looks like modern-day Mother Teresa's, Martin Luther King's. We're going to train them. So these are some of the dreams and key priorities that I'm aiming my life at. And one city fully alive, that's Reading. And now it wasn't Reading before 2008 because I was in New Zealand, but now it is Reading. So these priorities can change, but this is where I know in alignment with God and who he's made me to be and where my favor and influence is, this is what he's given me to do. But this has been a crazy journey. So I, when I was about 18, I had this life statement that said, unlike a raindrop that can just be wiped off, I want to in people, impact people like a brick and leave a mark permanently. <laughs> There's kind of this intense, I'm following Jesus over time, I've relaxed more. And it became, in making others successful, I'll be successful myself. I'm a business consultant. It's like, it's who I am. It's what I do. And then our pastor comes one Sunday and he says, what, we're going to have 21 days of fasting, believing God's going to show us what our purpose is as a church and as individuals, pray and believe that God will show you. And I'm like, awesome. I'm 25. I'm going to pray, fasted, prayed, fasted, fasted, prayed. Jesus, show me why I'm here. Show me what. And all he points me to is, what's your name? I'm like, you don't know my name? I thought you knew my name. My name's Andrew, Jonathan Mason. He says, what does it mean? Andrew means strong, manly. Strong, manly. <laughs> strong as an oak. Jonathan means gift of God. I'm a strong, manly gift of God. And I'm married. Hey, babe. 
I'm God's gift to you. <laughs> mason. What's a mason? Skilled builder of stone. And then he says, look at Titus 1.5. Titus 1.5 says, I've sent, I've sent you to set in order that which is lacking and appoint elders in every place. And Isaiah 45 I've sent you to build my city. And I suddenly realized, what do I do as a business consultant? I find out where people are, where they want to get to, and help get, build a life from where they are to where they want to be. What's my name? I'm given as a gift to help build the lives of people. I'm like, Ugh. and I fasted and prayed for that. <laughs> it's what I already do. What's the point? You were made uniquely. There's key things about you. It's in your very name, your very nature, that when you align with who you are, you actually feel his pleasure on doing the very things you're doing, and it begins to flow. But you're the only one that can protect that and live that out. So there's so many things. We're going to give you a handout that's going to help you identify some of those big priorities and actually define them. So when you stand at the end of your life, what do you want it said over you? What, what do you want your wife to say, your, your husband to say? This is the kind of husband. You're not asking them. You're saying, this is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to be known. I want my wife to say, he was a devoted companion and my greatest champion. He lived Christ to me and a loving me into fullness of life. Together we established a heavenly model of what a godly couple in ministry and life looked like. Our lives together gave so much more than we could have ever imagined individually. And he was an amazing father. Am I living that out? No, no, this is something I'm aiming and aspiring to. As a son, I have different mentors, leaders. I want them to say, not only did he serve, but he also knew how to go further, faster, stronger, and longer. He took me to higher levels. He didn't just serve, obey. He actually went further and challenged me to higher levels. But how do I do this? One of the biggest things for me is I've had to learn a word. It's a very short word. It starts with N, ends in O, and it sounds like no. Because my desire is to please people, to please those that I serve, to please God and everything. Yes, really good. But in order to live what God's given me to live, I'm going to have to say no. I have to say no to my regional manager when I handed in my notice and said, I'm leaving you and I'm going to America. Had to say no to my grandparents when I stole their four grandchildren from them and we left New Zealand and come to America. I had to say no to my revival group pastor who said, I don't think it's a really good idea that you should intern with Danny Silk. Seriously. I had to say no to the third year overseer when I skipped second year and straight into the third year program. He says, I don't think this is a good idea. And, and Bill Johnson says that there's something we get out of second year. And I felt like God had said, intern with Danny. Danny was like, well, over my dead body, you're, you're going to do. So Danny was for me, but I had to say no to all these other people. I had to make decisions, which is breaking this off, this pleasing people, pleasing people, pleasing people, pleasing people. Pleasing people. 
I have to say no to meetings so that I can spend time with my family. What do you need to say no to? So this is really what I want to get to. There's lots of stuff in here that we can show you. There's so many different things. But what is one priority you need to protect? And what is one thing you're going to do to protect it? What do you need to say no to? When do you need to switch off your phone? What good things do you need to say, thank you so much for that wonderful opportunity for that free global trip, but no, I'm going to spend time with my son. Thank you so much for that job promotion opportunity, but right now, it's going to take me away from home and I need to work on my marriage because that's a priority. And I'm going to answer to God for that. And I want to give it the best of what I can give it. Are you hearing this? So let's go ahead and give these things out. But just as they're giving them out, keep one eye open, one hand on your chest, one on your heart. And Jesus, thank you that you're speaking to us today. That you've given this invitation for us. We feel overwhelmed with what is now, let alone going further, faster, stronger and longer. But that is what you've called us to because we're followers of Christ which means we signed up for impossible. Thank you that you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, which means I have the ability to do what you've given me to do. So Father, forgive us where we've been distracted by good. Forgive us where we've been distracted by busy. Forgive us where we've been distracted by serving. And you've called us to go with what you've placed in our hearts to do. Forgive us where we've run after the things in our heart when you've called us to serve. Right now we just align with you. And we just say, Holy Spirit, what is one thing? What is one thing that you are challenging me right now to protect? Is it my time with you? My connection with you? Is it my connection with someone else? Is it my commitment to a job? Is it my commitment to praying for a city? Holy Spirit, what is the one thing that you're challenging me to protect? And what is one thing I can do to protect it?